Chapter 5 Lifeblood Luang Po and the Vinaya Not despising, not harming, restraint according to the code of monastic discipline, moderation in food, dwelling in solitude, devotion to meditation. This is the teaching of the Buddhas. Dhammapada, verse 185 Part 1. Introduction Vinaya is the lifeblood of the dispensation. These are words found in the Buddhist commentaries. But whereas Dhamma, in Sanskrit Dharma, is a word familiar to Buddhists of all traditions, Vinaya is much less so. That this should be the case is worthy of remark, given the central importance attached to the Vinaya by the Buddha himself, as clearly demonstrated by his frequent references to the body of his teachings by the compound term Dhamma Vinaya. At the end of his life, refusing requests to appoint a successor, the Buddha instructed his disciples, After my passing, the Dhamma Vinaya which I have taught and explained to you shall be your teacher. Diganikaya, Sutta 16 So what exactly does Vinaya refer to? In essence, Vinaya refers to the Buddha's teachings aimed at creating the optimum external conditions for the study, practice, realization and propagation of Dhamma. As the degree to which these conditions may be promoted in society at large is limited, the Vinaya is to be found most clearly in the training rules, injunctions, procedures, protocols and conventions prescribed by the Buddha for his monastic order to live by and gathered together in the texts known collectively as the Vinaya Pitaka. Etymologically, Vinaya is derived from words meaning taking out of or away from. The practice of Vinaya seeks to lead individual practitioners away from actions and speech that will conflict with or undermine their practice of Dhamma and to lead monastic communities away from conflict and disharmony. Although Vinaya finds its apogee in the regulations governing monastic life, it is also found on a more general level in teachings aimed at lay Buddhists, including those explaining the path factors of right action, right speech and right livelihood. The terms householder Vinaya, Agarika Vinaya and lay Vinaya, Gihi Vinaya are found respectively in commentarial references to the Ten Wholesome Paths, the Kusalakamapata, and to the responsibilities of householders detailed in the Sigalovada Sutta, Diganikaya 31. The decision by the Buddha to place such emphasis on Vinaya may be traced back to the days following his awakening. It is said that on reviewing the path to enlightenment, the newly awakened Buddha considered it to be so demanding that he was unsure as to whether anyone else in the world could follow it to its conclusion. Although he subsequently became reassured of the existence of those with little dust in their eyes, the Buddha's sense of the difficulty involved in transmitting the Dhamma did not leave him. He realized that his disciples would need every assistance possible and that a monastic order could provide supportive conditions to a degree that household life, with all its demands and temptations, could rarely hope to.
In the Sangha, he sought to create a way of life that would minimize the conditions that retard progress on the path and maximize the conditions conducive to it. Members of the Sangha would not need to make compromises with the expectations and prejudices of society at large. Monastics could live within communities made safe and stable by agreed and impeccable standards of conduct, dwelling together with wise teachers and like-minded friends. In a tranquil environment, free of the daily struggle for subsistence, monks could learn how to transcend their addiction to the sensual world and put forth undistracted effort for enlightenment. Vinaya was the practical means by which these goals were to be achieved. In the first several years after the Buddha's enlightenment, it simply constituted a set of behavioral norms, for example, refraining from all sexual activity, from receiving money, and from eating in the evening. The commentarial text reports that the monks were all of considerable spiritual maturity and were sufficiently motivated to uphold this informal code by their devotion to the Buddha and by their own sense of right and wrong. After twenty years had passed, however, the Sangha had grown considerably. It now contained many unenlightened members and warning signs had appeared of an impending erosion of standards. In response, and on an ad hoc basis responding to problems as they arose, the Buddha began to introduce training rules, Sikkapada, divided into different categories, which included penalties for transgressions ranging in severity from confession to expulsion. By the time of the Buddha's death, these training rules numbered 227 and were known collectively as the Patimoka. The Patimoka is the formal code of conduct for Buddhist monastics and has lain at the heart of the Vinaya ever since. As the Sangha grew in size, the Buddha also began to elaborate upon the protocols and procedures that he wished to define the more complex communal life that was evolving. The Vinaya texts passed down to us thus include, in addition to the Vibhanga, which deals with the Patimoka, a large number of supplementary allowances and prohibitions, which are gathered together in the Khandakas. These unnumbered injunctions are not divided into categories, and transgressions of them are almost all simply referred to as acts of wrongdoing, dukkata. These injunctions outnumber Patimoka training rules many times over, and arguably do more to create the distinctive way of life and culture of the modern Thai forest monasteries. Over time, a huge body of interpretations and extrapolations have accumulated around the Kandaka injunctions. Most of them have become norms accepted by the Thai forest tradition, although there are certain variations from lineage to lineage and from teacher to teacher. From this point on, this whole body of practices will be referred to as observances, a translation of the Thai Kho Wat. The following description of the training in the Vinaya undergone by the Sangha of Wat Pong, reflects this division between Patimoka training rules and auxiliary observances, taking each as a major section heading. It also includes an account of the Dutangas, or ascetic practices, as a third major section. 
for the reason that although these ascetic practices were originally intended by the Buddha to be voluntary undertakings, a number of them have been rendered compulsory elements of the Wat Ba Pong training regime.